Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the yes. alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all means. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside, and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> <laughs> Terry looking. Zegers to front save. Big save by Georgiev. Out to Fox for the shot from Fleck and White. Around the boards, long chuck save by Georgiev on the shot by Lindholm. And that's it. Rangers and Ducks tied 3-3, and they're going to overtime. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you heard, of course, courtesy of MSG Network and our buddy Sam Rosen following a big win in overtime for the Blue Shirts. Lots to do on this episode of the show. Talk about that game. The upcoming trade deadline as Larry Brooks of the New York Post breaks down who the Rangers might be targeting in the coming days. We'll also chat with friend of the program. His first time on video with us will be liquor store employee and Ranger broadcaster and Ranger great. That would be Dave Maloney. But first, let's welcome in the host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post coming off her birthday shenanigans down in Dallas, Molly Walker and her co-host Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, hello, everyone. And yes, today is St. Patty's Day. Not that I'm Irish, but I'm Canadian, close enough. And we all have to celebrate St. Patty's Day. I've had many St. Patty's Day celebration memories being in New York and celebrating in New York because there's no better place than being in New York and celebrating St. Patty's Day. So if you're there, have a good time. Be careful. Be safe. But for now, we're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk Ranger hockey. When we think Rangers, we think of the last two games and how they win. They find a way to win. Big win against Dallas. Big come from behind win. They beat them. And a close game which took them in the overtime. They win 4-3. And in that, that game, Kreider continues to score goals. Scores his 20th power play goal. Just behind with the record, Yamir Yarger, who has 24. And Yarmir Yarger is on record by saying, and he said this to Vetchkin, that he is not fully retired now. Anyone who tries to break his record, he may just come back and play a game or two. So look forward to that. But tonight, the Rangers play against the Islanders. We have Dave Maloney on the show tonight. When I think Islanders, I think of another loss, another Islander loss. John Partfang, brother of Dennis, just passed away. Condolence to Dennis. We've had him on the show. He's a friend of mine. Not well-liked by all Ranger fans, but he's a man that uh, has feelings, and his brother's passed away, and this has been going on for a while. So I wish you the best, Dennis. Uh, but right now, Molly joins the show. And Molly, last night as I'm preparing for today's show, I was thinking about Molly. What is Molly doing right now? And what I mean by that is your preparation, Molly, when you're doing your writing, when you're at the game, what's that like for you when you're preparing? Is it do you wait till after the game as you're watching the game? Do you write notes? How does that work? 
You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I I'm usually pretty methodical, you know, before, before the game even starts, I like to jot down just a few notes at the top of my word document, which is actually funny. We were talking about it last night. Um, me and Arthur Staple of the athletic about how a couple guys like Larry, Larry Brooks and, and Colin Stevenson, they have their actual physical book like lineup book where they write down the lineups like actual with like a pen and a, with a pen and paper. And obviously that's a little bit before my generation. So I, I do everything on my computer. I just have like a little word document that I write everything in and I'll just, I'll just jot down a couple things that, uh, you know, I feel like are important if, uh, somebody on the other team is out or someone on the Rangers is, is out or, Shesterkin's on his fifth straight start, something like that. Just little pointers that I know I would, that I want to hit in the story, and then just period by period, I'll just I'll just jot down things that happened and and descriptions of things that happened that I can reference later in the game. So I when I'm on deadline, I don't have to go and rewatch it. But it's all it's all pretty methodical and it's, it's a little boring. So we're going to we're going to go to the exciting part of the show, which is the game the other night, a big overtime win and comeback number 20 for the Rangers. If for those that are keeping track at home, which is pretty pretty crazy. I feel like I've said this before earlier in the season. I can't remember the last time that the Rangers power play was this effective that when they go on the power play, I'm genuinely expecting them to score more often than not. Uh, And that was the case. They tied the game for a third time. Chris Kreider deflection backhander off the board, just clutch, I believe is, is the word that I used in my story the other night, just, just absolutely clutch for that power play. And Adam Fox goes and scores the game winner. And it was actually pretty funny. Panarin was joking about how Fox led the whole team in minutes as he, as he often does, uh, especially this season. And, and Artemi was like, I was surprised he went with me. <laughs> Everybody expects Fox to be gassed at that point in the season, at that point in the game. And, uh, but they both just, broke out together and just beautiful move. Panarin goes forward. Fox pulls up. It was a uh, bang, bang. And um, that's just, that's really just been the MO of this Rangers team. 20 comeback wins. You know, they don't call them the comeback kids or I don't call them the comeback kids for nothing. <laughs> what makes it um, to an advantage, the power play, not just being able to score goals, but when teams prepare against the New York Rangers, what do you, what do you think they're saying in the dressing room? It's we can't take penalties against this team. And so what does that mean? That means teams will be a little bit more careful, a little more softer, especially on the smaller players. They'll, they'll, they'll want to play hard, but still they're being so careful. So there's a little more freedom for the skill players like Panarin when they're managing the puck, that players don't want to do a hooking interference or any of that because they don't want to put this team on the power play. The other thing about this power play is that um, when you look at other teams like, uh, let's say, Washington, Ovechkin, you pretty wa- pretty much know what their set play is. Get it to Ovechkin. He's got the one-timer. With the Rangers, they have so many weapons that can come at you at different places that you don't really know exactly what their set play or their go-to play is. And that's what makes it hard defending against these guys as a penalty killer. And the other thing that makes their power play so special, it's like Tom Brady, right? He's a quarterback that uh, will make plays and he'll change plays and it's not set in stone in his brain. 
he can just uh, move the ball around and move the puck around in hockey. And that's what they have with the Rangers. They have a great quarterback that whenever he feels like he wants to change things up, he will do that. So a very tough team to play against, especially when it comes on the power play. You know, I wanted to ask you, Ron, uh, going back a couple games now, St. Louis, when Igor Shosturkin got pulled, obviously that was, that was, I think it was only the second time that he was pulled, not for an injury related reason, first time since his rookie season. So it was, it was, it was a bad, it was bad scene. It really was a bad scene over there in St. Louis, easily one of the worst losses of the season. I'd go as far to say, but I'm curious just from a player's perspective, what is it like when your goalie is pulled? How does that affect the rest of the lineup? And we heard from Gerard Gallant after the fact, and it was not so much about Shesterkin's play because on, I think, three of those four goals, he had absolutely no chance. I mean, they were just indefensible, basically. So I'm just curious, you know, he said that that was a, basically a message to the rest of the lineup. I mean, he was he was he was pissed for lack of a better word, after that game. I mean, he said, you know, the way that Shesterkin has played for them all season long and they go out and hang him out to dry like that. And of course, Gallant's going to get him out of there. They don't want him getting his save percentage numbers run up and his goals against average run for all that he's worked for this season. So it was a totally fair move on, on Gallant's part. But I'm just curious, what is it like for you, for, for players, when, when that happens? Sometimes you're, you're, you know what the message is because the coach will relay that message. Like he'll pull his goaltender out and say, listen, you guys are not even protecting him, so I'm going to send in my backup, right? And, uh, but for me as a player, I never got that message. It wasn't like I was, was going to necessarily play any different because he just pulled a goaltender. I would prefer if the coach does a timeout, pulls a goaltender over, and has that conversation with the players, essentially explaining to the team, you guys are leaving them hanging out there. Too many chances. We need better. And then I would throw them back in because I could tell you as a goaltender, they hate getting pulled. They hate. So I think they're trying to send a message, the coach is, to the rest of the team. But essentially, it might be hurting a goaltender who's in there. Uh, most goaltenders would rather go back in and battle and hope that the team in front of them is going to battle. At least try to win possibly the third period. So I'm, I've never agreed with the idea, let's pull the goaltender, send a message to the team that you guys aren't playing hard enough, so we're going to throw the backup in. Well, most of the time, the backup's not going to be any better. Most of the time. And all of a sudden, now you're digging yourself a bigger hole. And I think that's what we saw in St. Louis. About that St. Louis game, other than goaltending, it shows you and tells you for the New York Rangers, some teams are bigger and heavier. And that's what St. Louis is. Uh, they play you hard. And so you got to wonder in games like that, if it's not more than just a goaltender, it's learning how to play against a bigger, stronger team, because that's what you're going to see in the playoffs. So more than anything else, that was a message. It's getting ready to play against a stronger team. And I don't think uh, the Rangers met the challenge. Hey, guys, speaking of backups, we'll close on this before we go to Larry Brooks. You know, Georgie made the start. On Tuesday, was that his with the trade deadline Monday? Is that his showcase game for the deadline? I don't know. One game raises his value. But did you look at it that way or did you look at it a way as setting up Igor to get more starts in the stretch run? Well, we know how Ron feels about Georgie. <laughs> I, I Listen, I like the kid. Everyone likes the Enemy kid. Number one. He's uh, he's he's just if you're thinking about uh, going deep in the playoff, it's just Sturkin gets hurt. You're done. Season's over. 
He can't do it. He averages over three goals a game. I said it going into the last game that the Rangers are going to need to score a minimum of three goals to have a chance. And sure enough, they had to score four. It's so predictable. He's just, I, he's, not, he's not a quality goaltender. I think the idea was to have him in that game. And, and it sounds like Gallant thinks of him as, I need to play him to get him ready for the playoffs. So it sounds like he wants to get him games, hoping that he will game his get his game back so he could be ready to play in the playoffs. That's what it sounds like. Hopefully that's not the case. I can tell you if the Rangers are thinking going past first round, second round, if Shesterkin gets hurt, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a showcase. I definitely think that it is lining up to, you know, just get Igor on a pretty consistent schedule and, and he'll definitely get the next, the starting nod for the next couple of games. You know, unless it's for the right deal for Georgiev, I don't think that it's going to be made because the return or a, a subsequent deal would have to be getting an adequate backup for Shusterkin, like a, like a Thomas Grice or somebody. That's the only way that I could see it happening. I don't expect the Rangers to turn to Keith Kincaid as as their backup, or or maybe they will. Honestly, maybe maybe they will. Maybe they have that much faith in in Shusterkin, and maybe they are comfortable with actually riding Shusterkin for as many playoff games as they possibly can. But I think I, in a perfect world, they would want to bring in an adequate backup for, for an actual playoff run. So it would have to be the right deal. There would have to be, you know, another move or return for, for an adequate backup. And we'll talk trade deadline and everything. Blue shirts with Larry Brooks next. I hope on off nights, you were pounding brews with 27 year old Barry <laughs> Trotz back then. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. <laughs> you know, the guys were walking around in their bathrobes like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We... It's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and at Post Sports Plus. Larry, we've been talking about the trade deadline for weeks, it seems now, but when it comes to Ryan Strom, you've written about how the Rangers may want to hold on to some of their top trade chips. Why is that? I think that they're going to hold on to their blue chips anyway, because I just don't see I don't see the value in, in giving up a blue chip for a rental, not for this team. But as far as Strom's situation is concerned, it surprises me. It surprises me that he hasn't signed an extension. I'm, I am not aware of the numbers that have been exchanged between the parties. But as I, I wrote a couple of weeks ago, if Drury's number begins with a four, then it's understandable why Strom isn't signing it. If Strom's ask begins with a six, it's understandable 
why jury is not is not accepting it. It seems to me, and it has always seemed to me, there's a sweet spot in there around five two five five five. We may be talking about term as well. I mean, I think the Rangers would probably like to hold it to four or five years. I imagine Strom would like to get it up to seven, um, certainly six. So, so there's obviously a dispute about what his worth is at this point, and it surprises me because I think Strom has found the, the you know we're talking about sweet spot. I think he has found the sweet spot in his career playing in New York, playing for the Rangers, playing with Artemi Panarin. So it surprises me that that hasn't been done. Could it get done in the next uh, three or four days? I guess. Drury has has made it, I think, clear that he's not going to wheel out Strom if he's not signed. So we're not talking about that kind of a deadline. But I think that if it, if it gets to next Monday and Strom isn't signed, you have to think the chances are better than worse that he's not going to be here next year. That if he plays very well down the stretch and has a good playoffs, his number is going to go up. And if the Rangers, uh, and I and I doubt the Rangers could accommodate that. And if he doesn't play well, then you know why would the Rangers actually want to keep him? So I think the Rangers may may have to go out and get a second line center next year. And that's going to be costly in terms of assets. They're going to have, you know, they, you know, they're going to be looking for someone who can play with Artemi Panarin, who can pick up the minutes that Strom has had, who can play on the power play the way Strom has. For the Rangers' sake, probably better on faceoffs. But it's it's going to be a costly acquisition. You don't go out and get second line centers for nothing. So I think that has to be in the back of, if not the forefront of jury's mind as he approaches next Monday. It's, it's, it's a complication. And again, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. Yeah. I, I, I kind of am too, to be honest with you, a lot of questions surrounding Capo Caco and how he's been out for much longer than expected. I believe, you know, he, he missed time before the all-star break. And then when he came back, Gallant said that it was going to be about a month. Now we're, we're creeping well over a month now. Just what are your thoughts on his situation? And if there's any sort of update on the front that you have that you can share? Well, I think um, the coach said the other day that he would maybe begin skating next week. So I assume it's going to be a couple of weeks before he's back. This is a large chunk of the season for him to miss. I mean, it's going to be a nine, 10 week absence for him. The league ramps up at this point of the season. It's not as if you're missing games early and you can catch up. I think it's going to be difficult for him to catch up. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's almost. It's almost like a wasted year for him. He was. He was uh, making progress, and now who knows? I mean, when he comes back, does he go back into a top six spot? Is he a third liner? I don't. I don't know. And on one hand, the Rangers are getting a top six player back for nothing. You know, he's he's like a, a, a trade acquisition that they got for nothing at this point. But I have no idea what to expect from him when he comes back. I really don't. So, Larry, uh, today being Thursday, the Rangers play the Islanders tonight. And um, unfortunately, there's not that level of excitement with the Rangers playing the Islanders at Madison Square Garden uh, because of the Islanders having a uh, offseason. What's it like for you going into tonight's game? The Rangers are playing the Islanders. What are you expecting? Well, I expect the Islanders to play this game like it's their game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, I'm, I, you know that they would like nothing more than to knock the Rangers down and knock them out somehow. They're a proud, proud group. I think they enjoyed their dominance over the Rangers last year. There's no question about that. You know, they were, they were like the bullies on the beach who were kicking sand 
into into the weakling's face at the end of the year. The Rangers were decimated. They were they were fragile, and the Islanders lorded it over them. And so, on one hand, you think the Rangers want you know want to stand up for themselves, but I, I see an Islander team coming in that will be at their best. And so, from that standpoint, I think the game itself will be as electric as it would be if both teams were at the top of the league. And, you know, it's it's been a while since the Islanders and Rangers both have been really good teams, and it's unfortunate. And and now we're in a, in a cycle where the Devils are really bad. So, you know, it, it's, bad, it's, it's bad for New York hockey when two out of the three teams are, you know, are not having good seasons. It is great for New York hockey when all three teams are at the top. And that's been missing for a fairly, fairly significant length of time now in New York. All right, Larry, thanks so much for your time as always. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, guys. And sometimes I dust his bookshelf and dust his Emmys and maybe vacuum a little bit if, if he needed it. Our special guest this week is someone you all know and love and a very dear friend of the program. You listen to him during Rangers games all the time. You may even run into him in your local liquor store. Please welcome Dave Maloney. Dave, the playoffs are right around the corner, it seems, which is crazy. But you played in 49 postseason games in your career, most of which with the Rangers, actually. I'm just curious for this Rangers team that is so young and has little to no playoff experience, how much does it really matter when it comes, when it comes that time? Well, I think ultimately it does matter. I I think it does matter. And I think the only way you know how to uh, compete come this time of the season is probably to have a few runs at it. Rarely has a team come out of the blue, particularly in a building program. And even our, you know, our group in 79, Duke, we, you know, we were all young. And if they'd left us alone, maybe we would have had a little more thorough success over time. But uh, rarely does a team come out of the blue. And a lot of teams that do win usually have to take it two or three times on the chin before they really know what it takes to win. And uh, so that being said, I, I think you can't help but uh, be excited for where where the Rangers have. And, and I think their, their ability just to kind of hang in there is really the thing that defies kind of logic in a lot of ways. And I know Shesterkin's a big part of the story, but, you know, I think it's just four times they've lost back-to-back games in regulation and and they've been able to stop the bleeding. And uh, so there's a lot of things to be excited about for sure. What can you remember from your first playoff game? My first playoff game was in Buffalo. And what I can remember distinctly, uh, we played Buffalo in a three-game series. Duke was there, right, Duke? I was, yeah. yeah. I can remember what happened at the end of the series in the bar. <laughs> yeah. That's what Ron remembers. Always at the bar. Yeah. I also remember I was so fired up in warm-up to be in uh, play or that time of the year. Because I remember Fergie. You know, Fergie, I, I don't know what he was like for you, Duke, but, you know, I, I'd go through a wall for Fergie. He was... Uh, you know, he loved us young guys. And anyway, I was all fired up and warm up and I come skating around the neutral zone and I went and I fired a puck towards the glass and it went over the glass and ding some guy <laughs> standing, standing in the stands and down he went. So I kind of probably hid behind Duke and thought, told the guy it was him. But the uh, but I do remember it just it just such a, um, uh, a new season. I remember that was the message from Fergie. John Ferguson was. Uh, whatever's happened in the regular season is done. Now you have a chance and it's the weather's warmer. It's nicer. It's, uh, 
it's just an exciting, really exciting time. Unfortunately, that was uh, three and out. It was best two out of three series and three were out. But, you know, the next year was our year that we had a run. So we had a little bit of a taste of it. So it was all new and it was all exciting and uh, it was fun. It's a fun time of the year to play. How much do you rely on the veterans in that sense? Because that's going to be the dynamic of this Rangers team. Like there really are just so many that have never even touched a toe into this sort of territory. So how much are, you know, the guys like Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, are those guys really going to have to step up down the stretch? You know what, Molly, you've seen them. I mean, the, the story of this season outside of Shesterkin has been the play of their top players. And then the next step is trying to figure out if you can't get a little depth, right? But I just think that uh, those guys that have had a bit of a sniff and Goudreau, obviously, back-to-back championships and Reeves has come from winning organizations and he's had a couple of runs at it. So, you know, ultimately, the only way you can gain experience is by being there. So the, the older guys will be who they've been and you're going to need them. But the experience is invaluable. I remember JD uh, in his short reign here was talking about just that is this this group will grow if and when they make the playoffs and then the real growth starts because then you kind of figure out what it takes and it does it's an intangible along the way you can only know what to do until when you get there and when you experience everything and especially you know and can't speak for although I did make the playoffs uh, when I was with Buffalo but it's a different experience you know it catches momentum in this city and I'll tell you that building last night when he scored in overtime oh my god I couldn't believe how loud it was so if these guys get a little sniff around success in the playoffs, you know, that excitement only continue to grow. It'd be great. So, Dave, I didn't know that about you, that that was your first playoff series against Buffalo, which I was in. And my experience of that was uh, when you talk about the veterans and the rookies, everyone having to chip in. Well, my chipping in, my assignment was go follow Jill Perot. Right. I was the shadow Gilles Perot. I'm like, right. really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, Thanks. You know, he, he's going 100 miles an hour and so shifty. And th- what I remember from that was that responsibility was given to me. And when you talk about Fergie, Jean Gay Talbot, who was our coach, uh, didn't mind assigning uh, big assignments to the younger players. And uh, I think that goes a long way is just building confidence in the younger players. And I think Gerard Gallant has done a lot of that with his younger players, giving them jobs that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to just like sit them back and, and rely on just the veterans. Cause when you go into the playoffs often is that third line, fourth line players that will come up with a big play. So yeah, that's, that did set me up anyways, going into the following season where we, we end up going to the finals as a rookie, as a young man. But today being St. Patty's day, Dave, I had mentioned at the top of the show that uh, I have, somewhat fond memories of being in New York and celebrating St. Patty's Day. And I know that uh, for you, uh, today, Thursday, and they're playing the Islanders tonight. What are your thoughts on St. Patty's Day? Because I know it's it kind of goes hand, hand in hand with New York and playing hockey in hockey season. You know, I, of Irish um, heritage myself, and and it was, um, you know, in New York, it's like everything else in New York. Everything's bigger. Everything's grander. Every, it seems to me we didn't have an awful lot of St. Patrick's Days off. But I remember going to the parade. And, you know, the thing about hockey, too, is it's a really attractive, you know, the police and the fire department. You know, carpenters, plumbers, uh, you know, they're all big Ranger fans, right? And so that was a, a day where the police and the firefighters and every
everybody got involved. Everybody was like you being Ron Oduge. You know, everybody wants to be a, an Irish guy in that day. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's just, it's like, to me, it's another, uh, it's another thing about what's great about this city, really. And if you can kind of manage it over time and, and uh, stuff, it just, everything takes on just a bigger dimension. It's, I, I still get you know, when I go into the garden or go into the city, just kind of look around and go, gosh, I can't believe I'm still here. So St. Patrick's Day was just another, it was like going to the Thanksgiving. I went to the Thanksgiving Day Parade once and experienced that. And, and so we, uh, I remember one St. Patrick's Day, Gresh and I hit it pretty hard. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty <laughs> Define hitting it pretty hard. <laughs> it was a long St. Patrick's Day. We ended up at, uh, we started in the city and we ended up, I don't know if you ever place Chickalinos, dude, it was down it was out in Long Beach, it was down in Point Lookout. Oh my God, we're there about, oh, it's late now. And I go, oh my God, I hope this day ends at some point. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. So, so Dave, you have the pleasure of being uh, up and close with the players and you've been doing so for a while. Chris Kreider has been a New York Ranger for a while. You've seen his progression. And with what he's doing this year, is there something that you can point to that you're seeing different in here this year that he's consistently scoring goals and he's just different? Well, you know what, dude? I, I don't think it's anything more that you're looking at a guy that's really comfortable in his skin. I, I really think he's just willing. He's to his own admittance has, you know, you use that word mature in the sense that he was something wrong when he was younger. Well, there's he just a little different cowboy. Right. And I think he has an awful lot of, he always had a bit of an impact in the room and it certainly has grown over time. But what I've been impressed with him is just now he just seems to uh, has accepted the role of a guy that's been around the block in New York. Uh, and that confidence, I think, we see on the ice. I mean, he's he's doing things, I think, also, too, uh, which honestly, I never I never thought he'd be a penalty killer. I just didn't think he saw the game well enough. You know, he was that straight line bullish player. And I think when you're a penalty killer, you've got to have kind of an understanding of what's going on. To me, that's about as shocking as 39 goals. And just, I think everything kind of, and then you go, so he goes to the All-Star game a couple of years ago as a fill-in. And I know you got tagged for World Cups and different things like that. You can't help but think, okay, now I really belong. You know, now I, I, I think, you know, I, I accept. And I think there's a real acceptance on his part of now an elite player. And so now he goes in front of the net. And last night, I took a little bit of acumen to kind of turn around and back it off the angle that he had the puck. But he just, to me, and nothing comes easily. We go to practice uh, and he works on, um, you know, in front of the net, around the net after practice. So I really think, and Trub is another one, a good critic, same thing. I think Jake Trub has become really comfortable, much more comfortable in his role. I think he's been great too. So you get to that stage of your career, your probably skill sets are probably pretty well set. Dave, I know you got to go because you got to open the wine shop. Now, yeah. <laughs> you have to get an update on, on your wine shop shenanigans. Well, this is coming out St. Patrick's Day. Is this like yeah. the hottest selling day for the shop and, and what's flying off the shelves these days? Well, I only get in there on the big uh, on the Wednesdays now. I'll start a couple of days a week uh, going into April and stuff. So, no, the uh, it's bourbon's a hot seller. Bourbon's a really big seller now, and there are a lot of different bourbons out there, and uh, this has become certainly a trendy thing. Probably the most consistent. He has a great uh, selection of IPA beers, also. So that pretty hot trying to get the younger people involved in uh, in that. So it's uh, I enjoy it. Just um, 
you know, there's the characters in the neighbor, you know, it's a neighborhood spot. And it's funny if I don't have told you the story before, but, you know, I'll be walking around the neighborhood now and I go, I'll see a woman and okay, she's a Chardonnay drinker. And <laughs> she, drinks, <laughs> she had a rough week. She, he had a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> he'll come in or he'll come in. I said, or I'll see him, uh, you know, in a store or something. Oh yeah. He charges and he, yeah. So it's, uh, it's really neat to be, uh, it's really, like I say, it's like a cheers place, you know, everybody kind of knows your name. You come in. So I, I, I really do enjoy it. It's a nice break during the week. I'm curious. Does that everyone know who he is? Like, do people come in or they're like, oh, you play for the Rangers? Or is it like you're the guy who works at the at the wine shop? Well, most. No, there are more times than not. I'll get most people because first, certainly in COVID, you know, you're you're masked up. And a lot of times uh, I've been wearing a hat or something like that. So. So when I start talking, they, they, they get this. It's the voice. <laughs> Where have I heard, I heard that, that before? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's funny too. Again, I've been around here a long time. So I was quite involved in the youth hockey programs and different stuff like that. So a guy will call in, say, this is Tom such and such. And he'll say, I'd like to, you know, do you, will you guys deliver? I said, sure. I said, Tom, how are you doing? And he's like, who is this? I said, Dave Moley. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's all uh, it's all fun. I really do enjoy it. I really do. That's fantastic. Well, Dave, thanks so much for your time, and we'll maybe we'll get you out for a third time this season. Why not? We'll go for a three-peat. <laughs> all right, Dave. Thanks. We'll see you all soon. But now it's like anything goes. All righty, Ron, that wraps up episode 80, the Kevin Weeks edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake, again, for producing this wonderful show. And to Andrew Hartz, you guys uh, always do a good job. But Jake, I need to ask you, you're bringing back a lot of fond memories when I see your hoodie, Blockbuster. You have no idea what Blockbuster meant to me in a span of maybe, I don't know, four or five years. When you're married and you're looking for things to do in the evening, it might be a dinner, but most of the time you want to stay at home and you want to find a movie. So we didn't have Netflix back then. And I would go to Blockbusters and I loved it to be able to go there and get that movie you haven't seen. There'd be that level of excitement. Hey, honey, I'm home. I got a movie, bottle of wine watch a movie so that brings back a lot of fun memories. so what you're saying is blockbuster was the original netflix and chill before netflix there was blockbuster and i also like the hoodie because it says be kind rewind i'm pretty sure they made you rewind to the beginning yeah blockbuster you would pick up the popcorn there you get maybe some twizzlers ron you bring it yeah. home, you peruse through the aisles, you got the different sections, you got the comedy, you got the new releases, you got ones that are on clearance. Oh, the memories, you had the membership card too, right? I did have the membership card and it's funny, it was it, most of the folks that were in there were all men. It, you wouldn't find many ladies. It wasn't a place where ladies were hanging out to find a movie because it was the job of the man to go find a movie and come home with a movie, possibly flowers, a bottle of wine, and it was just a cool thing to do. So thanks for wearing your hoodie. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's good to wear because it, it shows you who is old enough. Like it, it, if she doesn't know about Blockbuster, she's too young for you, bro. You cannot. Yeah. She's got to know about Blockbuster. If not, then uh, stay far away. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day. You said you're already hung over thinking about it, right? Well, St. Patty's Day is, is drinking beer. And I, I love beer. And it all depends who you go out with. Uh, if you go out on a date, well, it's different. But if you go out with buddies, and I have buddies here at home in Florida that I've already made plans, serious plans, and it's going to get started early. Uh, Matt O'Dwyer, who's a former Jet football player, is a good friend of mine. He lives here. Huh. 
And so we have big plans of going out and just don't call early on Friday morning. <laughs> no, so you, this will be a solo. The lady is not coming on this one. No, in fact, it's not a good idea to bring a lady friend because it gets a little silly out there. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. The yeah. beer coming out, it's St. Patrick's Day. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Hopefully you enjoy Rangers, Islanders at the Garden. That should be a goodie. I'll be with my buddy Constantine Maroulis, if you remember from American Idol doing a little show with him on St. Patrick's Day. So I'll have a few beers, hopefully, with him. For number 10, Ron Duguay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz. I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Thursday. We'll see if we have a new-look Rangers roster to talk about following Monday's trade deadline. Enjoy the next week of Rangers games. And as always, thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats. It was entertaining as hell. 